0: Hello, everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Welcome back to the Forever Marriage Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 15, and we are continuing our conversation of what it looks like to establish sustainable habits. So we started off this conversation in Episode 14, where we looked at Um, the spiritual life and so we're going to jump into relational um, the relational part of our lives and what it looks like to have habits in that way so Dawn yeah that's right you know we're focusing now on habits and we talked about in the last um, episode how important habits are because they really establish the, the current, the direction that we're moving in. And if the goal of this whole thing is to finish well, then we really have to consider what our habits are. And I had picked up a book a, f- a few years back called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a great book on habits and establishing them and actually breaking bad habits. Um, and one of the quotes that he had, he said was, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. And I thought that was really profound because we don't often think that way. We don't think that the actions or habits that we have right now are an indication of who we are becoming, but they really and truly are. And so we want to to think about that in regard to reaching our goal of finishing well. And the second quote that he had that was pretty good. I thought was you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Mm. And so in terms of, you know, when we're sort of evaluating habits and Scott talked about spiritual habits last time and, and we spend a lot of time with couples. And so we talk a good bit about relational habits and what those look like. We evaluate what the systems are that a merit that a couples have established. What, what's your system because you're, you know, Uh, I'm not sure who said your system is perfectly.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's W. W. Edwards Deming, Mm -hmm. who was systems guy back. Actually, I think MacArthur sent him, if I remember right, um, to Japan to help rebuild Japan after World War II. And um, Deming said it this way. Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. And often when we're working with couples, I will just change system and insert the word marriage and just say it simply this. Your marriage is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. So if you don't like the results that you're getting maritally, what needs to be changed systemically? Because you can't keep doing what you're doing and expect to get different results.
0: I know that's called insanity. Yeah. That's yes. right. So today we're going to talk about <laughs> relational habits.
1: Yeah. So when we're thinking about relational habits, one of the key things, I think a word that first came on my radar was somewhere around 1996 while Dawn and I were in seminary out in Fort Worth, Texas, is this word intentional. Um, and when we think about our relationships, um, we, we want to be, we want to sustain, we want to establish sustainable habits In our relationships and one way we do that we encourage you to be intentional about your connections and your conversations now how do you do that don and i benji and emily we lead couples here at lakewood through a process that's called prepare and rich and in that process when we're teaching couples how to have intentional conversations with one another there's three points or three questions that they ask, and Dawn and I, through the years, have just boiled them down to a more simplistic uh, way of asking these three questions. What's working, what's not working, and how can I help you? So in a relational sense, one of the things that Dawn and I will often do with each other at least once a week, hopefully sometimes more is we'll ask those questions it may happen today we're we're right now we're recording in the middle of the day about time for lunch and i can feel my blood sugar dropping so i'm getting on the verge of being hangry and but sometime i will probably today ask dom i've summed up those questions into one question which is what hun
0: so how are we doing girl?
1: Yeah. So how, mm-hmm. how are we doing girl? And when I say to, gir- to, 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 to girl to to girl hey girl,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Does that bother you that I call no, you girl? Not
0: at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind
1: of my term of endearment.
0: It makes oh, me feel like we're nineteen again on the campus of Georgia <laughs> <Yeah>. Southern.
1: <laughs> and I had hair. Mm-hmm. But you see you're this is why we're not you don't know that I don't have hair because you they do now they because <laughs> you won't be talking about that. About it. <laughs> Maybe I'm more insecure about like, being bald than we, I really let on. That's right. On. We're I don't gonna know. have
0: to ask where that's coming from. I'm sorry. We'll have a therapy session oh, later.
1: Okay. Off air. So we were, uh, yeah. So what were we saying? I
0: how got, you doing, girl? How, how yeah. you doing? How, how are we doing, girl? How, Emily how said how in doing? her best Joey Tribbiani. Really,
1: how you doing, girl? <laughs> Em's been watching too many Friends episodes with Benji. (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) That's how I hear it. (laughs) Um, So what we're talking about, though, is how are we being intentional in our conversations? And so when today, if I ask that question of Dawn on the way to lunch, here's what I'm getting at, guys. And I want to really encourage in this because we're talking about being um, habitual, establishing habitual patterns that are sustainable in our relationships with intentional conversations. And so when you're asking these three questions, what's working for us? What's not working for us? How can I help you? One of the things we attempt to do, because this is about me and Dom, Benji and Emily, you and your partner. It's not about these four things. It's not about the kids. It's not about your calendar, which it may be though, to some degree. It's not about the career and it's not about, I just cash. the cash. Yeah. Yes, the cash. Because inevitably when we talk about things, we're going to revert to our kids' cash calendar career. Um, But what we want to do is talk about us. How are we? How are Scott and Dawn? How are Benji and Emily?
0: Yes. So when we have that conversation and we know, okay, we need to not be talking about the kids, the cash, the calendar, the career, that means we're not relaying information like factual information Mm -hmm. or even opinions Mm -hmm. about that. But sometimes... I've got some feelings or needs in those categories. Those are the things that we mm-hmm. need to talk about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is getting down below the surface a little bit more to say how are we doing, Scott and Doll? Because mm-hmm. honestly, listen, Scott and I could talk. We we are, you know, really best friends. We we love to do the are ministry. Am I your best friend? You're my best friend, Bubba. <laughs>
1: um, We're like peas and carrots. Peas and carrots.
0: <laughs> no, that was Forrest and Jenny, not Forrest and Bubba. No. Yeah, that's right. Forrest and Jenny were like peas and carrots. Yeah. Right. I Forrest thought Forrest and Bubba, and Bubba were, were peas and carrots. Yeah, you're my best friend, Bubba. You're my best oh, friend, Forrest. and Bubba. What's you that? didn't see Forrest Gump? Oh. Forrest Gump. Oh, same thing. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I promise. Okay. You all can give us feedback yeah. on this and verify, but yeah. we digress. Anyway, we could spend a lot of our time talking about the things that we love, like ministry and people and the work that we get to do around here and all of that, and think that we're doing relationship work. Mm -hmm. We are not. That's not how Scott and I build our marriage and our Mm -hmm. personal relationship. We have these intentional conversations weekly of, so how are we doing where we are really getting down beneath the surface of that and having deeper conversations that are are the ones that really do strengthen our relationship. Mm -hmm. And those generally revolve around feelings and needs.
1: That's right. That's right. And sometimes it may just be, we may just be processing guys, the rhythm of life, the busyness of life. Um, as, as Dawn is saying, it's, it's getting down to what w- we're feeling about ourselves or feeling about us as a couple or what are the needs. It may be, cause listen, and this is going to lead into the other, the second aspect of, of the relationship is, is giving others the benefit of the doubt okay and so here here's i'm going to tie it together here when dawn and i are having these intentional conversations with one another one of the things that we want to do is give each other the benefit of the doubt so dawn might say to me in this conversation with regard to what's not working for her or how I can help her, she may say to me, honey, I know it's not your heart, but... And she will lead into whatever the but is. I'm feeling or I'm needing. It may be I'm feeling overlooked right now or I'm feeling I'm not a priority to you or I feel that others are a greater priority to you than I am. Whatever that is... But she's she's being uh, strategic with her language in that she's giving me the benefit of the doubt. That's the second aspect here of of the relationships where we're uh, seeking to establish sustainable habits is is to give others the benefit of the doubt. Um Years ago, I read the book by Emerson Egrich. If you've not read it, I encourage you to read. It's called Love and Respect. One, I would say this, ladies, because 70% of you listening are ladies. I will say this. If you want to grab that book, I would encourage you to get the leather bound. It's almost more of a – because the book itself is pretty thick. Now, if you and your spouse want to read it, um, you might – get better with him just listening to it or something like that. But there's a devotional that they put out that you can get leather bound. It's called the love and respect experience. And I'll get him to tag that in the post that in the show notes. What that does, it breaks it down into like uh, weekly devotionals. I think there's 50 something devotionals in there, but Emerson Egrich talks about, um, in that book, and I had never picked this up before in reading Proverbs eleven twenty seven, but he talks about the principle of goodwill, and he he says it this way um, with regard to goodwill in in relationships. Solomon says in Proverbs eleven twenty seven. This comes from the NIV. He says, "He who seeks good finds goodwill. He who seeks good." finds goodwill, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Now what's the context here of giving others the benefit of the doubt? If M is giving Benji the benefit of the doubt, she's going to seek good. She's gonna she's going to go mentally in the sphere of Benji's heart for me as good. So when he said this to me or when I felt overlooked by him, I know that was not his intention. I know that was not his heart. She is giving Benji the benefit of the doubt. Conversely, if Emily is not giving Benji the the benefit of the doubt, she is going to see evil intent. Well, he obviously meant this when he said that, and she can take it personally or she can be offended by it and it may not be Benji's heart at all. He didn't mean for her to hear it that way, but that's what we're saying here, guys. If we want to establish relational habits that are sustainable, one that we have to get embedded in our marriage especially is that we're going to give one another the benefit of the doubt. Now, let me say this. The caveat to that is this. If Dawn is going to assume and work from the presumption that my heart for her is good, what's imperative for me?
0: It needs to be good. My
1: heart needs to be good. My actions, my behaviors, my attitudes, my words, the things that I do, the habits of my life need to consistently convey to you, Scott's heart for me is good. Because if I'm inconsistent in any of that, my actions, my behaviors, my attitudes, my words towards you, it's going to leave a shadow of a doubt in you. I'm not sure it is because he's not consistently showing
0: that. Yeah. I think one of the, the, the strongest way that we can build confidence in our partner that our heart for them is good is to consistently make our wrongs right with them is yeah. to be really good and the big things and the small things to be able to say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Um, I'm sorry about what I did of, of taking personal responsibility mm-hmm. for the things that we do and say that are hurtful and that are uh, sinful or that are wrong or that are damaging and be able to com- Seek that forgiveness and restoration with the other person. When we do that, then you're more likely to believe that my heart for you is good. Mm-hmm. When I demonstrate humility, when I seek to make the things that I, or when I look at my own personal self, my own responsibility and assume it and take responsibility for it and seek to make that right with you, you're, you're gonna feel more, you know, you're gonna have more confidence in the fact that my heart for you is good. If I just, Treat you any old way I want to. If I, um, sin against you and hurt you and never take responsibility Mm -hmm. for that, you're not going to think my heart for you is good because my heart for you is not good. My heart for myself is good. You you know, or like I just think, okay, I just am going to cover myself. I'm going to just take care of myself. Doesn't matter how I treat you, but it does matter. And I want to be able to build the help, build the confidence in you that my heart for you is good. And making these wrongs right is a really important way to do that.
1: Yeah. So what we're talking about here, guys, we're talking about establishing relational habits that are sustainable. And we've said the first one is to be intentional about your connections and your conversations. We've given you the three questions. We've said, secondly, to give one another the benefit of doubt. And then third, what Dawn just alluded to, is we want to make wrongs right. Jesus said it this way in Matthew five twenty three and 24. He said, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In other words, Jesus is saying this, Hey, Scott, listen, it's more, and this is Scott paraphrasing, so just take it for what it's worth. Scott, it's more important to me that you and Dawn be in a right relationship than it is for you to be here at Lakewood and act like everything's fine with me and mine when it's really not. That's a paraphrase. Y'all may see it different, but that's how I'm seeing what Jesus is saying. It's one thing for us to be doing all these things sacrificially in ministry, but we're not living sacrificially in marriage right. Do you see it different?
0: No, I don't. I, I see it just like that.
1: Okay. And then the fourth one, guys, is to keep short account. Now, what do we mean by that? Um, in the NIV, in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, many of you who were married, you probably had 1 Corinthians read at your your uh, wedding or your, the pastor spoke something of it. 1 Corinthians 13 is commonly known as the love chapter. And this is really where Paul kind of creates and, and states a treatise of what love is and what love is not. But in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13 in the NIV, he says it this way, love keeps no record of wrongs. So if we want to relationally have sustainable habits, one is that we're going to have to keep short accounts with one another. Now, what does that mean? It means that Benji and Emily do not keep a, a tally of each other's wrongs or that Benji does not keep a scorecard of what he has done for Emily versus what she has not done for him. That gets into what we call contractual uh, relationships. And I will tell you guys, contractual living in marriage is the death nail of the relationship because it boils down to this. Don, I will do this for you because you did that for me. Or – don't i can't do that for you because you didn't do this for me now we may never say that to one another but our actions and our behaviors often function that way is well i'm not going to do that for my spouse because they didn't do this for me and that becomes how we function all that is saying to us is that we're keeping we're keeping records of wrong but paul says in 1 corinthians 13 love keeps no record of wrong Great way to read that passage sometimes is just insert yourself in there with the word love. In other words, Emily keeps no record of wrongs. Dawn keeps no record of wrongs. Scott keeps no record of wrongs. And then ask yourself, is that true of me? If I do keep record of wrongs, then that can show I'm not loving my partner or loving others the way Christ would have me love them. And so this is – we're getting here about how do we establish sustainable habits relationally. We'll wrap this episode up with this next one. We want to establish some vocational habits that are sustainable. Paul says in Colossians three twenty four and 25, whatever you do, do your work hardly as for the Lord rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So as we're thinking about our work as a work unto the Lord and not unto man, one of the things we, as we talked about in a previous episode, is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, is we want to approach our work as a work that is we're doing it for the Lord. We want to please Him in this. Now, I'm going to say this with regard to vocation because, you know, ministry on many levels, and I don't, I don't want to say this. I'll just say it. Ministry for many is, is not a nine to five kind of job. Ministry is an all encompassing almost 24 seven in that. You, you don't just clock in and clock out. It's, it's, it's an ongoing work. There's always a, you know, Jesus said, you're going to always have the sick among you. And it's true. Uh, we have sick people physically, spiritually, relationally. They're, they're always there. So it's, it's not something that you can stop. But what I had to learn years ago is, especially when the children were younger, I had to learn to leave work at work and try not to bring work home. Now, what do I mean by that? I started realizing back in the early 2000s, our kids were elementary, middle school, and some were in high school at the time, is I could be at home physically. I was physically present, but I was emotionally and relationally removed. My mind just wasn't there. So I want to encourage you. I had to work through this whole idea of, hey, listen, Lord, I don't want to just be physically present with Dawn, Hannah, Reese, and Claire. I want to be emotionally present here. I want to be available to them. And so we have to – there's always going to be this struggle, guys, as as long as we're on this side of heaven, a struggle, a tension, if you will, between a work-life balance. Um It's been said before, if you're married, go home earlier. You can be replaced at work. In fact, one day you will be. You cannot be replaced at home. You are the only mom or dad your kids will ever have. When you stood at the altar, you made a covenant to finish together. In other words, to finish well. Your employer has made you no such promise. So don't sacrifice lifelong relationships for the sake of approval by people who won't even be around two years from now. That's a bad trade. And I think that's a very wise statement. As we approach our work, we want to do it heartily as to the Lord, not for the approval of men. Now, I want to say this. Be careful of getting all of your emotional love needs met through work because if you think about some of our emotional love needs of acceptance, affection, appreciation, approval, and or attention, those five emotional love needs, acceptance, affection, appreciation, approval, and attention. I found this out from personal experience. What you can do is at times, if you perceive you're not getting and or receiving one or more of those emotional love needs at home, you'll eventually try to find them elsewhere. And I find for both men and women, many of us can find that at at work. I found this actually for myself in the early 90s when Dawn and I were in our most toxic state. I was leading in a uh, voluntary role worship in our small church in Statesboro, Georgia, and I could stand in the platform on a Sunday morning leading worship, and through just the leading of worship, I could find, hey, I am finding emotional love needs being met uh, by the appreciation, the attention, the affection, the acceptance, the approval that I am getting from both our pastor and the people in the pews. I am getting emotional love needs met here. And it became, I i did not realize this, guys, until years later, what I was calling worship of God was really, for me, it was really idolatry because I was making the worship experience about me because I was using the worship experience to get my emotional love needs met. And I don't think I'm unlike many people uh, in that we can often use what we do vocationally as a means to get our emotional love needs that are legitimate love needs, but I believe we can at times be illegitimately seeking to get them met at work. Let me just say, don't let people's praise or criticism define you. You'll get both of those, but you have to remember you and I are serving God. So it, the most important thing in life is what does God say about us? Neil Anderson in his book, it's a devotional book. We'll, we'll post in the show notes. It's called Who I Am in Christ. And Neil Anderson in that devotional book, probably one of the books that has shaped me formationally, uh, other than the Bible, uh, has been very helpful for me in understanding my identity in Christ. And he helps us understand just through positional truths that Scripture itself lays out for us is that our acceptance, our security, our significance, our love is met through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't find love and acceptance from one another, But what is most important is that we have to understand that we are fully loved, fully secure, fully significant, fully accepted in Christ. And what God through Christ says about us trumps what anyone or anything else can say. So as we conclude this episode, we've been looking at in episode 15, how to establish sustainable habits relationally and vocational and when we come back in episode 16 we're going to look at how to establish sustainable habits physically and financially we hope you'll join us then